Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today we invite you to join us in our message series and dive deeper into what God's Word has for us today. We're going to be Matthew 28, and um, we're going to look at the story of Jesus' resurrection. And as I was preparing for this, um, we plan our messages actually well in advance. I just got done. I'm overseeing the Christmas message for this year, 2021. I already have it mapped out. We're ready to go. And so well in advance, we're looking at these things, and I've been looking and thinking about it. And wouldn't you know, I I was preparing for today, and I thought about uh, a story from my childhood, as often happens. And maybe some of you in the room and can, um, can um, understand what I'm talking about. I remember a day as my mom would make Easter baskets and hide them throughout the house, and they'd put them in all kinds of different places, the oven or, you know, the, um, the washing machine or different places throughout the house. And you'd find it on Sunday before we went to church because we always went to church on Easter. And I remember one day I found my Easter basket, and inside of it was the, 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 the greatest thing I've seen. It was an Easter bunny, a chocolate Easter bunny that was maybe like this big. Anybody remember getting one of those? Maybe you still get them. If you're an adult, I'll pray for you. It's okay, but uh, maybe you, these, these giant Easter bunnies made of chocolate. And I remember seeing this Easter bunny and be like, holy cow, the today is, I, I've hit the, the, the mother load. It's awesome. It's amazing. There's this two pound Easter bunny chocolate in my basket. This is amazing. And you know the story probably already. You tear it apart, and then you take that moment when you take a big bite. You think that you're going to be able to chew on this for the rest of your day. And then you figure out you've been hoodwinked. (laughs) This thing's hollow. (laughs) Instead of being two pounds of chocolate, it's like two ounces. It's horrible. I went and looked for one of these for the service so I could, like, have it up here. I don't know if they still make them. I couldn't find them, but it could have been a problem that I was looking this morning and last night for one. They're probably all gone. (laughs) But I'm going to find one and give one to my children because it's an amazing moment. And you're thinking, like, probably, like, hey, Jim, why are you telling me about uh, a hollow Easter, chocolate Easter bunny when we're talking about Matthew 28 and the resurrection of Jesus? Well, let me tell you. Because that morning when I bit into this hollow Easter bunny that I thought was chocolate, I figured out in that moment, like, I've been deceived. My mother deceived me. I'm just kidding. She's sitting over there. I just was making a joke. But you've been, like, you felt like, ah. Well, I bring it up because it's, it's amazing when you read the story of the disciples and Jesus I think so many times we read past these things and we don't enter into the story. But if you ever thought about for a moment what it must have been like for the, ele- for the 12, 11 really, because Judas to pre- betray Jesus, the 11 disciples, his friends and his family on Saturday, you ever thought about what it would be like for them? What would have been running through their mind as they're confronted with the fact that the guy that they've been following around for three years actually rose, he, he raised people from the dead, was now dead? You ever thought about maybe what they went through as they had maybe on Saturday thinking the horror of what they witnessed in the crucifixion? Maybe struggling with a little bit of anxiety and fear, questioning, doubts, uncertainties, confusion. Like, what did I give my life to? I, I pushed all in. This guy met me on a beach and said, hey, after you've pulled in all this fish, maybe even a life savings of fish, and he said, leave it all behind, all of your nets, all of your stuff, all of your livelihood, all that you depended on, and come and follow me. And they did. And now here they are, 
at Saturday, and the guy that they gave their life to is dead. I wonder what it would have been like. The future that they thought they might have had is not quite what they're thinking. The God in flesh that walked with them, that was ever present with them, was gone. And then you think about the rest of the world, maybe there, the other people, at the exact time, much the world, they just went about their day. Good Friday was just another Friday in the day in the life of them. It was actually probably more of a weird day. Like all this stuff is happening, all this like commotion and is happening, but they'd never really maybe seen Jesus or they haven't spent time with him. They never experienced the life-changing presence of Jesus in their life. And so they went about their day as normal. They went about chasing after what other people chase after in the world. And unconditional love and joy and fulfillment and, and what they do every single day. It was just another day for them, blindly following after whatever they're following after, not realizing actually that the guy that died on the cross that they heard about actually is the exact thing that they need, the presence of Jesus, the presence of God in their life. And that's how Matthew 27 ends before we get into 28. And I wonder if there's not people here today, as there has been the last three to four services, I wonder if there's not people here that feel like the disciples on Saturday. Maybe it's been a while since you've experienced or you've felt the presence and the power of God in your life. Maybe it's been a minute. You've given your life to Jesus. You've, you, you've given your life to Christ, and you said you were a follower of Jesus. You, you trusted in faith in Jesus, but really it kind of feels cold. It feels like that Saturday. It feels a little bit, I don't know, overwhelming. I come to church, I leave, but really I haven't experienced the presence and power of God in my life in maybe years. You're stuck in chapter 27. I wonder if there's not people here that maybe you've heard about Jesus, you've been on the fringes, you kind of have heard about things about him, you know other people that it's affected and you know other people's lives that's been changed by Jesus, but really you're like the rest of the crowd, not the disciples. You've never really bought in and fully stepped in to say, I'm gonna submit my life to Jesus. I've been to church a lot, sure. I know a little bit about Jesus, but really my life doesn't resemble anything about a follower of Jesus. I've never really fully in my own heart bought in fully, pushed all my chips in and say, man, I'm going to follow Jesus with my life. You're stuck in chapter 27. But thanks be to God. Isn't it amazing that the reason why we're here today is because Matthew 28 is there. Because the story went on and Jesus didn't stay in a grave, but today you and I, 2,000 years later, are celebrating the life of someone who is alive. It's overcome death. And praise God that Matthew 28 continued, the story went on, that God himself, Jesus, conquered sin, death, and hell for us. And now we're here to celebrate that fact. I'm going to look at the story in just three scenes. There's a scene at the tomb, the city, and the mountaintop. And look at those with us in the few minutes we have left. Matthew 28, in verse 1, if you have your Bible, you can read it with me. It'll also be on the screen. Read the first 10 verses here. Let's just start with verse 1 as we find uh, some women and Jesus at a tomb. It says this, Matthew 28, 1. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day, the first day of the week, excuse me, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. 
So the men might have been officially called the disciples, but hear me on this, the first disciples that came to the tomb were women. Here Jesus shares with them in Matthew 28 and verse 30, or 26 and verse 31, you shall all, he tells the disciples, you shall all, all the men, you shall all fall away because of me this night, which we know happened. They all abandoned Jesus. Now, I don't think they abandoned really their faith in Jesus, but they left when the going got tough and persecution was going to come and Jesus was going to die and they might have to die with him. They all bailed. But amazing, when you look at the story, the women were courageously faithful. They're there at the crucifixion. They're there at his burial. And the next morning, when as soon as everything opened up, because Sabbath, it would have shut down for the whole day Saturday. And then at the end of the day Saturday, all the shops would have opened back up because Sabbath is over. So first thing Sunday morning, who's going to get the stuff to finish the burial? And they're there at the site. Women. It's amazing to see that the first people that get to experience the beauty of Jesus being alive are these women. If you look in verse 2, look what it says as it goes on, their experience with Jesus. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on him. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing, his clothing excuse me, white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women... Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He's not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. Jesus told them this would happen. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Now, Matthew has a flair for the dramatic. He uses behold a lot. Just in verse 7, he uses the word behold two times. And he goes on to say it a bunch more times. And this scene is like dripping with irony. I don't know if you noticed it, right? There's two guys that are there to guard a dead body, but become like dead men themselves, all the while they're, they're, they're bodyguards for a body that's supposed to be dead, but is actually alive. It's dripping with, as Matthew says, it's dripping with irony, and then this angel of the Lord comes, and they become like dead men. He doesn't even speak to them. He speaks directly to the women and says, fear not, don't be afraid. You came to see a corpse, but Jesus has risen because he is the Christ. And the angel says, this is exactly what Jesus said. Because in Matthew 20, 26, Jesus said to his disciples in verse 32, but after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. And so the angel says, as he said, tell the disciples to go to Galilee because he told them already that he would meet him there. Now look in verse 9. And behold, this is the fourth one, a little dramatic. Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took a hold of his feet and they worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers, my disciples, the guys I've been tracking with for three years, the guys I love, go tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. It's amazing. These women, they came to a place of death, expecting to experience death and find it. But instead they actually come and they find life. 
That's the beauty of the resurrection. They came thinking that they were going to come and talk about Jesus, maybe as they did things to his body, but instead they actually got to talk to Jesus. That's the beauty of what we're here celebrating today, is that we don't get just to talk about a dead guy from 2,000 years ago. We get to experience the presence of Jesus. The power of the resurrection, unlike anything else, any other religion you'll find in the world, is that our leader didn't die. He died and he overcame the grave. That's why we can overcome the grave. We celebrate someone who's alive, not dead. We're here to celebrate someone who conquered death. That's why I get excited. In this moment, in this moment, in this miracle of what happened in Christ raising and overpowering the grave, Jesus proved he is the one person with all of the power to dramatically change your life. Change your life because he overcame it all. Jesus literally says in John 3.16, I'm paraphrasing, whoever believes in him will not be swallowed up by death, but will be given eternal life. Later, the Apostle Paul writes to the Corinthians, and he says this, Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But listen to me. This is why we're here today. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're here because we get to experience, because we're Jesus followers, because we've placed our faith and trust in Jesus, we get to experience victory. The beauty of Easter, this is the beauty. The beauty of Easter is the story of God's power being made available to us. God's power is being made available to you and to me. The reason why it's so beautiful is the fact that when Christ rose from the grave, it gives me hope. Not hope, like I hope the Lions are going to win the Super Bowl, like I always talk about, joke about hope, but like that's real according to Scripture. Hope is like, I know. Christ overcame the grave. Now he's victorious. Therefore, I can be victorious. Why? Because I'm in Christ. But if you don't believe, like the unbelieving world like those soldiers. Unfortunately, you are dead like they were, dead like dead men, spiritual corpses who are dead in their sins and will one day stand before the Lord dead in your sins. But if we're in Christ, if we've placed our faith and trust in Christ, to those of us who believe and follow God, we experience great joy, not fear, like those men experienced. You see, those women, they they went going to put spices on a dead body, but they ended up putting their hands on warm feet. You see, that's what it's like to follow Jesus. When you seek Jesus, even though there's seasons and places where you find yourself surrounded by death, maybe you experienced that the last year, where you're overwhelmed by anxiety, you're overwhelmed by fear, you're overwhelmed by certain things, you will never fully be overwhelmed because you're in Christ. You know, following Jesus, you experience the beautiful comfort and joy and the presence of God. Why do you get to experience the presence of God in everyday life? Why? Because he's actually alive. He's living. And according to scripture, he's living in us. So I just ask you this morning, because I'm going to ask you a few questions. Not this morning anymore. It's after 12. 
Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ? Do you believe that he rose from the grave? Don't answer me. Think about that. Because if you're here today and you don't, you've never placed your faith and trust in Christ. I'm not talking about going to church. I'm not talking about giving money. I'm not talking about any of that stuff. You personally have placed your faith in Jesus. If you have not, today is the day that you are to respond like those women, fall at his feet, worship Jesus, and make him the Lord and Savior of your life. That's your response. But can I ask you, as many of you I know, and you confess to be believers, can I ask you a question? How do you treat, how do you respond to the resurrection? Are you living as though you are just putting spices and herbs on a dead body? Or do you live as though you are worshiping the resurrected Christ who is ruling and reigning today? Because I know a lot of people that are walking through the motions of empty religiosity with spices on Jesus. And we come to church and we just do our thing and we walk through life. But really outside of these four walls, we have a lot more than four in this room, but we have a lot outside these walls. Really, it doesn't have much impact on my everyday life. I'm not living as though Jesus conquered the grave for me. I shouldn't be living in sin. No, Jesus is victorious. Therefore, I can be victorious. Does it change the way that you live? Well, Jesus moves. Excuse me, the story moves to the city. Look with me in verse 11. While they, these women, were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a significant sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell the people his disciples came by night and stole the body away uh, while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread. This lie has been spread among the Jews to this You see this contrast in this city? The women rush off with great joy to tell the disciples that Jesus is alive. The guards rush off in great fear to tell the priests that Jesus is alive. They both know the reality that Jesus is alive. These guys were sitting, well, uh, the angel of the Lord came down from heaven like lightning, rolled the stone back. They were so overwhelmed. They're like dead men. I don't know. It doesn't say it in the text, but maybe they saw Jesus walking out of the tomb like, what's up, guys? Have a good day. They kept going. One walks out. One runs with joy to say he's alive. And one runs with great fear to say he's alive. All we had to do is keep him in the ground for three days and he would have gone away like every other person we crucified. Three days. That's all we had to do. But I love the story. It all backfired because God broke in and the power of God manifests itself in the resurrection of Jesus. I love the one, one scholar says it this way. He says, there's delicious irony. These priests, they pay these soldiers to go off and spread a lie. But the more they run to spread the lie, the more they're actually telling that Jesus is no longer in the tomb. And over and over and over again, they've been trying to squash the truth that Jesus rose from the grave. 
And like you look all throughout church history, the more that you try to stamp it out, the more it spreads. So as they're going to tell this lie, I'm sure they're like, hey, we just want to let you know, Jesus is in the grave. You might hear something, but I just want to give you a heads up. Some of his guys came, we were sleeping. They're superhuman strength. They rolled this boulder back and they stole the body. We don't know where it is, but just give you a heads up. It's not real what they're telling you. And can you imagine the people in the city, they're like, I don't know. Did you guys see? Or, like when he died, like the ground shook and the sky turned black. That's a little sketchy. I don't know. Did you guys hear about the veil in the temple? Like it's like this thick and 60 foot tall and it tore from top to bottom. I don't know. Like something's not right. It's a little sketchy. And the more they try to spread the lie, the more the truth prevails. It's like Acts 2 later on, these same guys who paid off Judas, who sold on his brothers in Christ, paid off these soldiers. Later on in Acts chapter 2, there's this fascinating thing that happens. God, Jesus has left. He's back with his father. He's left the, the, the church with the spirit of God, and they're going out and declaring the truth of God, and they don't know how to stop it because people are wildly coming to know Christ. And so they bring him in, they threaten him, and there's this one guy amongst the Pharisees. His name's Gamaliel. Read about it in Acts chapter 2. He says something. He stands up finally, and he says this. If this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. Don't worry about it. But... If it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found in, oppo uh, in opposition or opposing God. Do you hear what he's saying here? He's saying that the truth will always prevail. You can stomp it out if you want. You can decide to not believe it. But at the end of the day, the truth always prevails. It will keep going. Christ is big enough, and if it's real truth, it will always prevail. It will always keep going. You can choose like the Pharisees who knew and saw Jesus to decide not to believe it. Sure. You can choose like the, the guards that saw it with their own eyes to choose not to believe it. You can choose like Judas who saw all of the miracles and saw his teachings and all the things that you can choose to say, I don't believe it. But that doesn't mean it's not true. The truth will still prevail. It will still go forward. You have this group of people telling the truth to a few, and then another group sharing lies with the masses. It reminds me, honestly, of where we live today. What you experience, the masses every single day, they're teaching, they're telling, they're discipling you. You're being discipled by somebody. If you're not being discipled by Jesus, I promise you, you're being discipled by someone, culture, whatever it is. And the masses are telling a lie. The masses are saying, no, Jesus, he was a good dude. Sure, follow some of his ways, but he's really not God. He didn't raise from the grave. Don't give him your life. Pursue love and happiness and, and sex or alcohol or whatever you want. Pursue all these other things. They'll satisfy you. They'll give you identity. Man, make as much money as you can. Do all these other things. And at the same time, the truth is telling you, no, at the end of the day, Jesus did raise from the grave. He is alive. And he's calling you to give, you, give him your life because he's the only thing that will satisfy you. He's the only thing that will give you true identity. He's the only thing that will, will help you walk through life with his amazing presence. 
And I'll just ask you this morning another question. One of my last questions is, what narrative will shape your life? What truth is shaping your life? Is the truth that Christ overcame the grave and is living today, ruling and reigning what shapes your life? You can choose, if you'd like, not to believe it, but it's true. I'll give you one apologetic of the resurrection of Jesus. I think the greatest apologetic that Jesus truly rose from the grave, and it's outside of the scriptures, is this. All of his disciples, 11 of them, because one betrayed him, abandoned him at his roughest moment. They all laughed. When the going got tough, they're like, I'm out. I'm not dying over this. Right? Fast forward, read in church history. It's real. In, hist- in historical books, read how all 11 disciples, maybe with the exception of John, who was exiled to Patmos, but we still think maybe he gave his life as a martyr. All of them, every single one, died a martyr death, crucifixion, burning, horrible things for the cause of Christ. So my question for you is, and you can wrestle with the truth, what changed? Sure, Acts 2, the Spirit of God fell on them and empowered them, all of that stuff. But the Spirit of God doesn't matter if Jesus didn't raise from the grave. What changed? I'll tell you what changed. Cowards became confident because they saw the living Jesus themselves. They saw him with their physical eyes and historically read outside of the scriptures how all 11 gave their lives, horrible lives, martyred lives for the cause of Christ. It doesn't make sense unless something happened. And that thing happened, the thing that happened was that they saw Jesus themselves. They physically saw him and it changed everything. Just got feet falling from the ceiling. <laughs> It wasn't the right time back there, guys. What in the world? That's for the last song. That was weird. But I'll tell you this much. I'll grab 10 guys in this room, and if we go to try and hide a body, I don't know where this is going, but no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. We try to go hide a body, and they come after me, and they're about to kill me, because of a lie, I'll sell all of you out real quick. <laughs> there ain't no way the 11 guys gave their lives as martyrs unless they saw the risen Christ. It's the truth. The truth will prevail, and it changes everything. It changed your life. It should change your life. The truth, you'll experience joy like those women. Believe the lie and you'll experience the fear that those men left with. And then quickly, let me look at the last part in the mountaintop in verse 16. Read it with me. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. So I just want to pause here for a moment. I don't have time to get into all this, but some doubted. As you would doubt, as you do doubt, part of the faith journey is doubt. And it's a wrestling. 
So some doubted, even in that moment. How do you believe? Like, the dude was dead. I saw him die, and he's alive. So I got to give me a minute. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority, I love this, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. He's like, hey, man, I overcame the grave. I got all the authority now. Go and make disciples. Eleven made it to Galilee. One didn't because he believed the lie. I find it super interesting that Jesus appeared to his disciples at least two times we know in Scripture in Jerusalem, maybe more, before he actually fulfilled his promise to them in Galilee and met them there. So what's the point of meeting them in Galilee on the mountain? I think that the reason why he met them there and it's significant is because that's where it all started. That's where Jesus called the disciples. And now this is where he's commissioning them. So here he is with his disciples. Hey, remember when this all started? Remember when you boys were down on the side of the, the sea there and I asked you to come and follow me and you gave up everything and you followed me. It was a journey. We struggled, sure, but man, do you see now? You struggled for a day. You worried that I was really dead and I wasn't who I said I was and here I am standing before you. You remember when I called you? Look, now I'm sending you. I'm leaving to go with my father, but I want you to remember this place because this is where it started and this is where it's gonna start for you as I commission you to go out and make disciples. Do you remember when I told you, you leave your nets, now you're gonna be fishermen of men. You remember that right over there? Well, now you're gonna do it. Go therefore, make disciples, fish of all Man, I think it's fascinating that Galilee was called the Galilee of the Gentiles. It's fitting that this is the place where Jesus sent forward his world mission to make disciples of all nations. So I'm just ask you my last question. Do you believe what I've been talking about? Do you actually believe that Jesus rose from the grave? Because if you do, it should change your life. It should change the way you live and love. You see, there's, there's people in our cities that need to hear that the tomb is empty. There's people in our communities that need to see and hear the tomb is empty. Can I just tell you, Jesus did not leave heaven, come to earth, die on a cross, conquer sin, death, and hell, all of it swallowed up in victory so you could come to church each Sunday and sit on your hands. He didn't. He didn't come and rescue and redeem us and overcome sin, death, and hell so I can live a non-victorious life. And he didn't come so that I could just sit and write in my Bible. I prayed a prayer when I was 12, and one day I'm looking to go to heaven with Jesus. He came, and he rescued and redeemed us, and then he sent us on a great mission to help rescue and redeem the rest of the world. That when I leave here, man, my job is to run screaming like these women just saying, he's alive, he's alive. Now, just pause a minute. If you leave here and just run through downtown Clarkston and start yelling that kind of stuff, don't bring shame on this church, okay? That's not what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. I'm not saying to go be crazy. I'm saying the way you live 
Do you love your neighbor that lives next to you who believes different than you politically, spiritually, ethically, everything? Do you love them in such a way that they might be able to experience the gospel? Do you live in such a way amongst coworkers that they might see and experience the gospel, that you might get an opportunity to tell people he's alive and everything you're chasing after in life and all the identity you're trying to find in other things and all the satisfaction you're trying to find in other things, you'll never find it, it's only in Christ. And can I tell you, he's alive and he wants to be present in your life. That's what I'm saying. Because of what Jesus died for, not just for you, but for the world. There's one last uh, verse, and then I'm landing the plane with this. At the very end, one more behold just for good measure. In verse 20, and I want this to sink into your hearts. Behold, I am with you always. To the end of the age. I'm with you. I'm with you. How can he be with us? He can only be with us because he's alive. He's present with you. Man, no matter where you find yourself today, I don't give a rip, I, I don't care. You could have come from the craziest place yesterday. Today, the Lord is present with you today. And if you've never confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart that Jesus is Lord, today he's present calling you. If it's been a long time since you've experienced the loving presence of Jesus today, he's here and he's walking with you. Maybe you've had a season of, of doubt, a season of, of just cold and dark and Saturday night kind of stuff. But man, today is Sunday and it's morning, it's resurrection Sunday and Jesus is present with you. So I just wanna tell you, no matter how much anxiety you've been in your life or worry or struggle, take a breath, breathe it out, let all the other stuff go and know that the Lord is with you today. If you don't know Jesus, he wants to be with you. He's waiting on you. Place your faith in Christ. Believe in your heart. Confess your sins to him. Even during the last song, come to me afterwards and you'll know Jesus. But may we leave this place worshiping at the feet of Jesus and then running with great joy to tell the world that he's alive. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head over to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.